Making a million dollars as a plumber isn't as hard as you think. You could totally have a million dollar plumbing business in like less than a year. I've talked with so many plumbers who are so close to that million dollar mark and they just can't make it. There's just, they're missing something. They just can't make that mark. Dude, when I first started my plumbing business, I had no money. I made payments on my credit cards and payments on my van. So how did you make your first million? Um, honestly, all I did was, what's up, Joel? Jared, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's pretty good. Yeah, you thought you were going to get me on that one. I did get you a little bit. No, I was locked in, man. <laughs> locked and loaded, mm -hmm. ready to rock and roll. Yeah, locked and loaded, you know. Oh, except. 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 You're failing me here, buddy. Okay, here we go. Cool, man. Happy Wednesday. Dude, happy podcast Wednesday. Yeah. I think podcast days are my favorite day. They're my favorite day. You know why? Because I think it's because there's just this consistent block in my schedule that I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Yep. Because like... And it never changes. It never changes. So it's like, I know on Podcast Wednesday, I'm like, I'm going to go and do this thing. The only time it changes for me is when you don't show up. That's... that's well, I guess there's been a couple and times. And then I have this whole block of my day where I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? You just piddle around <laughs> the kitchen, make a bunch of coffee. I guess yeah. I got to drink all this. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Um... Yeah, man, what are we getting into today? Dude, um, we're going to go over exactly how plumbing made me my first million dollars. So we're going to go step by step exactly how I made the first million dollars, what mm. it looked like, what it felt like, mm. what I did, what I got lucky on, mm -hmm. the struggles I had, mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. Yeah, sounds so good. So we're just going to go through my whole story from beginning to end and tell you guys all of the information Mostly so that you can get an idea of what I did so that you can duplicate it. Sure, yeah. And you can understand what I did poorly and you can not make those same mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. I have a much better understanding of it now than I did back then. Yeah. Are we going to talk about that too? Like sort of the differing understandings? Like I guess that kind of goes with like when you're in it, how it felt. Yeah. Because I think there's like when you're in it, it felt a certain way and now you perceive it differently. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a cool like... uh Difference of perspective. Yeah, especially now after like seeing other people do it, mm -hmm. right? And then teaching other people how to do it. Mm -hmm. I see it a lot differently. Mm, cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. So starting with like your birthday when you were born. <laughs> I was born <laughs> far too long ago. <laughs> long time I got way ago. too many gray hairs. Yep. Um, no, I mean, so, you know, I a lot of guys, most guys, they start in the plumbing trade. They become a really good plumber. Mm. I think they're either they're usually not satisfied with being a plumber or where they're at in life or how much money they're making and they want more, mm. right? Or they just hate going to work every day and like being tied to that, right? So they want mm -hmm. more freedom. Mm -hmm. And even the money thing, I think the money thing usually is more freedom, right? So I sure. found myself like in the exact same boat. It was like I was I started plumbing when I was 18. Right out of high school. I actually worked for a contractor my last year of high school mm. as a yard bird. I would go get parts, drive them around, go mm. to job sites, like move pipe from floor one to floor 12. Mm -hmm. um, that the cool kinda, stuff. The cool stuff, yeah. the fun stuff. Yeah. But it was actually really good for me because I learned like mm. what all the parts and pieces were. I got introduced to like the people in the construction trade, sure. which was a, a weird change for me because I grew up in like going to church. I went to Christian schools. I didn't go to public schools. I did a little stint in Catholic school. Then we went into this private school because mm -hmm. I was yeah, terrible in high I school. I didn't know you went th through so many schools. 
Yeah, so we did like I did like Christian school uh-huh. and then junior high we homeschooled, which mm. the whole the whole junior high? Yeah, whole mm. junior high I homeschooled, which basically meant I didn't do anything. Cause <laughs> cause nobody held me accountable. So yeah. like seventh and eighth grade, I literally just went to town. I would like ride my bike to town and I would go skateboard all day. Really? That's it. Was your brother was Tyler like home studiously studying? Yeah. There was yeah. yeah. And then like I think like eighth grade. I would go to a buddy of mine's house, Eric Gettinger, mm-hmm. and then we would both just skateboard all day because he was, was homeschooled was he homeschool too. as well. Yeah, that's so funny. But I he actually like he actually like you know he was pretty far ahead. Yeah. So he like even after that he went into real high school and like skipped a grade or two and oh, sure. graduated early and he was way smarter. Yeah, that's funny. So your parents well were, you, were your parents teaching you? They were supposed to be, but they but like I, I had just <laughs> I had, like I did I hated school. Yeah, I just completely yeah. goofed off. And then got terrible grades, and so they were like, "This isn't working. We're gonna put you in homeschool." Seventh and eighth grade, seventh grade, it was at home, and they're like, "This isn't working." So then they sent me to my buddy Eric's house with his mom, mm-hmm. and then we still just goofed off. And mm-hmm. then they're like, "Well, this isn't working." Mm-hmm. So then they put me in Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So I, my best friend was in Catholic school at the time, mm-hmm. and he was doing fine. Was that for high school? Yeah, yeah. ninth grade mm-hmm. Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I flunked out. Mm-hmm. Pretty much only passed like a couple classes. Yeah. Like, did you they, just not show up, or you just didn't? No, apply I showed, yourself. I or? showed up every single day. I just didn't pay attention. They'd give out homework. I didn't write it down. Like I didn't have that <laughs> skill set of sure. like, you want me to do this homework? I'll write it down and mm-hmm. I'll make sure to go home and like figure out the homework I need to do and do it and then mm-hmm. bring it back to the class. Mm-hmm. Right. I just didn't. I didn't have that, mm-hmm. and I didn't care either. Sure. Could have cared less. Yeah. So I flunked out, and they were like, "Yeah, you can't come back." <laughs> oh wow. And so then we went into a different high school. It's called Frontier High School. It was like 15, 20 kids, mm-hmm. two teachers, mm-hmm. and a principal. Not even really a principal, more like a secretary. Yeah. Um, and there you just like you couldn't slack off. Like they're like there's it's, just it's 15 people. It's so small right? that they're not you're not gonna slip by. Yeah. So I slacked like I slacked off as much as I possibly could. So I got like D's and C's. Mm-hmm. Um just it, barely scraping by. Yes. Ended up scraping by enough to where I graduated on time mm-hmm. um, and then went to work as a plumber. Hmm. Yeah. And then that last year, you said, because then you could work through your last year of high school. Yeah. Last year, I had a little lighter class load. So mm-hmm. I would go work after work or after school because mm-hmm. I got out early. I'd go work for a few hours after mm-hmm. school and then I would work on uh, Saturdays. Gotcha. And then you just got exposure to like people in the real world. You know, not mm-hmm. your friends, not your yeah. classmates, like actual old dudes who are old, crusty, grumpy. Yeah, grumpy, yelling at you. Nasty, you're slow <laughs> nasty, and, you know. perverted men, pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. was like culture shock. I was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Like these people live whole different lives. Yeah. They get drunk every weekend. Yeah. Some of them get drunk every single night. Yeah. And I was, it was like yeah, mind blowing. Sure. But they're, they're cool people. Mm-hmm. Like they're all really good people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was easy to like, connect with them mm-hmm. and it's funny because they kind of like you know took me under their wing yeah, and, you're like who's this young whippersnapper yeah. they like turned me from this nice young man young boy to a like <laughs> you know troublesome young man yeah troublesome. basically yeah yeah taught me how to you know eat bad food <laughs> how to drink more <laughs> uh started smoking uh <laughs> yeah but, did, but you probably had some good street cred because you're like i already got my girlfriend pregnant like yeah you know totally. i'm already a boss and like damn this guy's cool you know that's the funny thing is like <laughs> Because I met Christelle like that first year that I yeah. went to uh, 
like your, your the, first school, the your small first, school, right? Yeah. Oh, your uh, your high school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then she got pregnant. She's like my first girlfriend, mm-hmm. like real girlfriend, right? right? Um, and then we get we got married, and mm-hmm. we're still married, and we had another kid, and. Mm-hmm. The funny part about that is, so then you, I go into this construction industry with all these rough dudes, yeah, and they're like, they hear my story of how I got my girlfriend pregnant when I was I was sixteen, she was fifteen, mm-hmm. we're still married, and they're like, so you mean you like, like she's the only one you ever, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, and they're like, dude. Mad respect. Like they all respected it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, funny. You guys are so weird. Yeah, yeah like, like what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. Oh wow, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Started there, got introduced to the culture. Um, I signed up for an apprenticeship program, mm-hmm. got in the apprenticeship program, did my whole apprenticeship at a company doing uh, basically underground. There's underground hallways. Mm-hmm. Um, they run all the piping like in these concrete hallways mm-hmm. on the military bases. We have two military bases where I'm from. Well, in Fairbanks where mm-hmm. you're, you were at last. Mm-hmm. But anyway... It's basically steam, condensate, sewer water. Mm. We go and rip them all out, replace them. And then it's a 30-year cycle. So you yeah. come back after 30 years, and you just do the ones that you already did, right? which is super weird. So one of the guys mm. that I was working with, we were working on one of the projects that he had done originally 30 years before. Oh, and he was the, and he, now he wow. was the foreman on that project. Huh. And I was like, is that, he, is that weird? He's like, yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's like, so you like, you remember being in this manhole, like putting this pipe in? He's like, yeah. And I was like, dang. Did you ever tell stories like, back in my day when I did this the first time, oh. I was right here. Dude, job site stories are the worst. Things like used plumbers, to, those trees used to be this much taller. Plumber store, no. Plumber stores are like, so I went up, so I got this guy, and I went over there, and I was like, rah. <laughs> That's plumber story. <laughs> That's a know. direct quote. <laughs> Something. Then I was like, rah. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> plumber stories always crack me up. Listen, like, these guys think they're, it's like, total badasses because they're plumbers and pipe fitters and welders and just i never understood it hey i think it's kind of cool when guy comes in and like when like one of your technicians would come in my house and like tell me about the boiler and i'd be like yeah, yeah. Or that's I'd, a whole different story though like the guys that i was working with they didn't uh, know anything about any of that yeah sure right? sure sure um they actually hated that stuff yeah it was like we we put in big pipe I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> Big pipe, small pipe, still <laughs> pipe, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I worked for the con that contractor. My whole apprenticeship got out, started doing. At that point in time, they'd lost their contract. We did started doing like new construction buildings, mm-hmm. and like six months after I turned out. Hey, hold on, really quick. In your apprenticeship, do you have any like major takeaways that were formational for you? I don't know. I started smoking. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, but you quit smoking at some point. Yeah. We all started smoking back in those days. Did we? Yeah, smoking was cool <laughs> well, back I wasn't in the, the only day. one? No, 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 no. Yeah, I started smoking for a while. It was cool. Thankfully, I quit. Uh, key takeaways in my apprenticeship. Like what? What do you want to know? Oh, I don't know. Just like, was there any moments where like that you could look back on and be like, oh, yeah, that was like a defining moment in my character or in my career or skill set? Oh, no, man. I was just trying. I was a young boy trying to find myself. Yeah, sure. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, because you had. I was just trying to make money. That's it. Because at that point, you had both your kids, right? Yeah, so I had my next kid when I was 20. So first okay, kid so when I was a couple years 16, after. second kid when I was 20. 20? Yeah, I was 20. Mm-hmm. Yep. So did that put, what kind of pressure did that put on you? It wasn't bad because like I had a good job, right? Like I was, sure. by the time my second kid was born, 
and I was working a ton of hours too. Mm-hmm. So there was a ton of work going around. We were working six mm-hmm. tens most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the first that first job I went to when I first got out to a job, um, they gave me a raise. They paid me like five dollars an hour more than I was supposed to make. Oh wow, which was cool. And they just kept paying me more mm-hmm. every year. So they'd always pay me more than what. I was supposed to be getting as an apprentice. Mm -hmm. And so I went like out of high school and my paychecks were like a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. So you're probably making more money than any of your friends at that point. Oh yeah. All my, none of my friends had real jobs. So we were like, like my apartment was $700 a month. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any car payments. My Mm -hmm. cell phones were like $30 a month. Yeah. And we were to like live in like Kings. Like we were eating steak dinner, Mm -hmm. like every night (laughs) steak, Baked potatoes, corn on the cob. Yeah. We were living the life, not mm-hmm. saving any money. Of course, spending it all on steak, yeah. and, steak and beer. I mean, but, that's what you do when you're that age. Yeah, totally. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so I made good money like the whole time. Yeah, like gotcha. it, I never really, I never really struggled with money. But it, there came that point where it was like, this is it. Mm. So like, I turned out right, mm-hmm. and I didn't know this about myself at the time as. Like, I always like to be striving for something, right? right. Working on something, building something, going right. somewhere. And this is, you're saying that currently. Currently. Like that is how you are, have realized is how you're built. Yes. And so back then, cool, I got in the apprenticeship, um, my eyes on turning out, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Becoming a journeyman. In Alaska, it's a five-year process. Mm-hmm. So the five years get up, I take my journeyman tests, I pass all my tests, mm-hmm. um, and I become a journeyman. I'm like, cool. Next thing, I got to become a foreman. I got to run some projects. Mm. So literally like six months into becoming a journeyman, I'm on this job and the, um, the foreman quits. And so they make me foreman and, and I'm in a, I'm in a building. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a new construction commercial building before mm. ever. I've plumbed like three or four houses at the time and some condos, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like no clue. Why did they choose you? I don't know, cause probably because I was their yes boy, <laughs> probably, mm, sure. probably because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah, oh, sure. So they said yeah. Jared will do it. Probably. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I did. I faked my way through it, um, and it turned out just fine. And then went on to go do, um, what kind of mistakes did you make? Oh, dude, just dumb stuff like, mm-hmm. like we we put in these. It was a like an industrial car wash that we were working on yeah. for the military vehicles to drive through. Mm-hmm. And so there were these like, he, we had like these huge water pumps or pits where they'd fill it up with water. They would recycle the water. Mm-hmm. So we had these huge pumps and then there was these huge air handlers because they're running this thing in the dead of winter right. and they got to mm-hmm. move that humidity out of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, did, I didn't even know what an air handler was. Like I didn't know it had a motor and a, and a fan and all this stuff and it needed to spin the right direction Mm -hmm. and that was our equipment that we had bought Mm -hmm. and set but there's tons of electrical and when the when they hook up the electrical to the motor it's a three-phase motor and they got to test it and make sure it's spinning the right way Mm -hmm. i didn't know any of this Mm -hmm. so the electrician comes up to me he's like hey man i'm ready to test those motors whenever you are and i was like okay (laughs) test away test for what (laughs) what do you got to test them for Mm -hmm. he's like oh we got to turn them on and make sure they're spinning the right way. And I'm like, you need me for that? And he's like, well, I just want you to verify because it's your equipment. Mm. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. I see what you're doing. I got it. <laughs> so just little things like that. Yeah. Like no clue. Yeah. And everybody knew it too. And they were all pretty friendly and helpful. Yeah, that's cool that everybody... Yeah. Do, was that like a regular thing where a foreman just gets fired or whatever and then there's some guy who's like, I don't know what's going on. They're like, okay, we've done this before. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and so they just like... I guess in the sense, everybody's just trying to get the job done. I kind of knew all the guys that were there already. Sure. Right? And they kind of knew me, so we kind of had some rapport, so yeah. we were kind of already friendly to each other. Yeah. So that was probably helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was... You know, then I went on to the next job and it was like, hey, man, you ready to test these motors? Yeah, you're like, I've uh, <laughs> I've done this once. Yep. <laughs> kind of feel like I'm pretty good at it now. You want to make sure them three-phase motors are spinning the right yeah. way? You're looking at your hand like, say, three-phase <laughs> three phase motors? Yeah. Mm, I think that's with the pH, maybe? Yeah. What's funny like? is on the next job, the electrician hooked him up wrong. And I don't know. I still don't know enough about this, but <laughs> <laughs> something the way he did the phases, those things got way too hot and he burnt mm. them out. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty funny. Did you let him know? Be like, hey, man. Hey, man. No. He he found out. Mm. I think they ended up replacing them. Yeah. Electricians did. Yeah. Because they're expensive. Yeah. Big pumps. Sounds like it. Big pumps. Big motors. Anyway, ran some work. Did a few commercial buildings. Did some small, like, commercial remodel projects. Got pretty good at it. And then started my own business for the most part. So you're talking about like you always need something to push you forward? Yeah, that's the thing. So I I became a foreman. And I yeah. did a couple projects. Yes, I, there was room to improve, but it was like this is the cap of my career at this point. Did you feel that at the time? Like yeah. You were like, oh, wow, I've made it, and I've only been doing this for like six years total. Seven? How long total? I was, I was probably seven or eight years in when I started feeling that. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. And I was looking at the company that I was working for and they had, you know, they had a, it was a general contracting company, but they did their own mechanical, right? They mm-hmm. started as a mechanical contractor and then they moved into general. Yep. So they did their own carpentry and their own mechanical contracting. Mm-hmm. And the mechanical portion, they had like one project manager who had a few engineers that worked for him. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He wasn't going anywhere. Like that was the next move up, but... He, he literally still works there to this day, mm. right? Mm. So that was, it was like, you know, I'm, what, 26, 27 at the time. And I'm like, I got to do this till I'm, like, full retirement at that time was 58. And I'm like. You're like, holy crap, I got a, I, I have got, a long life ahead of I me. I got another 31 years of just doing, just working in the field, being a foreman. At the time, did you know what you wanted your life to look like? Like what you wanted to do? No, I had no idea. Mm. Yeah. It's just kind of like day to day, month to month kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I continued in that for a long time. Started my first company probably because I worked for that company for 12 years. Yeah. Total. Um, so And probably eight years in, I started being like, oh man, I'm ready mm-hmm. for something else. Right. Mm-hmm. So then there was like four years of like, I'm just, you're ready for something else, I'm but just, you don't quite know what that is yet. I'm just grinding this out, mm-hmm. grinding it out, grinding it out. Um, ended up starting my first company with a partner, which a lot of people do. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's if you've never been in business before, it's tough because mm-hmm. you don't you don't know what to look out for, right? Because right. neither of you understand business. It's tough to make decisions. 
every decision has a lot of weight on it because mm-hmm. you don't have any cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so when somebody makes a wrong decision, it's a big deal. And if you've got a partner, that stuff is tough. Plus, both of your lives, like this is what we, we ran into, is both of your livelihoods and your goals have to match. Right. Right. So like <clears throat> we went into it. I wanted to work less, make more. Mm-hmm. He wanted to work more, make way more. Right. Right. And I don't know how much he makes today, but I would say I probably work less and make way more um, yeah, as a result of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it forced me to put together a better business model. Mm. Right. To be able to work less. Right. Um, yeah. So he would like, he was willing to go work all day, every day. Mm-hmm as late as possible, wake up early on the weekends, work till midnight. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, I do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like you can't pay me enough mm-hmm. to do that. I would, I would rather just go work my regular job. What kind of work were you guys doing? So we kind of recognized at that point, it was probably like the best thing we did. We were like, mm-hmm. okay, he, I wanted to do residential. Sure. And I didn't know like service or new construction or what, but I kind of wanted to go do residential because I was tired of the commercial stuff. Because that's all you had done previous was just commercial. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent commercial. Gotcha. So you were so you're also just looking for because you. I wanted to change. I wanted, you wanted to, to change. And I you, wanted to grow in a different skill set, right? Yeah. And you thought like, what did you think when you entered into this partnership? Like, what did you think it was going to get you? I just had another guy there to do work and generate cash right yeah but i mean like even like the idea of like instead of just going to work for somebody else doing residential you decided that you're going to go and start (laughs) your own business oh yeah because i thought you know here i am just making my boss all the money sure why don't i just go do it for myself and then i can make all the money Mm -hmm. right and then i can dictate (laughs) my own schedule because i I wanted the freedom Mm -hmm. right so yeah i was happy even if i made the same but i got more freedom out of it right that's, I was really mm-hmm. in it for the freedom, mm-hmm. right? And it's like now, you know, I remember from the very beginning being like, cool, then you can build a business and you can treat the people in your business how you would want to treat them. Gotcha. Like, so I, you were you were thinking that even back then. Yeah, I always thought that was a cool idea. I remember telling my business partner, like, dude, imagine when we hire guys, we don't have to treat them like our old contractor treated us. Sure. Not that we were treated super poorly, mm-hmm. but there were things that were just irritating and... Mm-hmm. things they could have done better mm-hmm. and i was like we have a ch- like we have a chance to build a, a company that has mm-hmm. a good culture right mm-hmm. um and i think like if we had gone down that road and got into the commercial world i bet we could have owned it if we had had a good culture right because yeah. all the guys would have wanted to come work for my company mm-hmm. um and so everybody else would have had to like they would have got their little bit of work that they could handle they mm-hmm. would have had to turn it down and we would have came in and we would have been the only ones that could mm-hmm. do mm-hmm you know, a large amount of work because mm-hmm. we had had all the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. More freedom, more money. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to lose, right? Sure. I looked at a few other business owners around town who were in the commercial game mm-hmm. and how <laughs> they got started was they just started going and doing residential. Gotcha. And so we, we recognized like, okay, we can't get commercial work. Nobody knows who we are. We can't get the bonding. We don't have the relationships. Sure. So we need to go get work that we can go get. Mm-hmm. Right. And we recognize we need work that pays like now because sure. we don't have any cash. Right. So we bought, um, so we're in Fairbanks, Alaska. 
um, cleaning and tuning your oil boilers is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So we went and bought the equipment to be able to do that. It was like 1200 bucks, mm -hmm. put it on a credit card just so we could go <laughs> mm -hmm. tune and clean boilers. Where'd no. you guys learn how to do that? Did you learn that through the apprenticeship? No. Gotcha. No idea what we're doing. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so we're watching YouTube videos, yeah. like learning all we can. It was really just trial and error, right? So all those times you tuned my boiler, you had no idea what you were doing. At that point, I had a good idea. Mm -hmm. No, I got really good at it after about 100 <laughs> boiler tunes. Yeah, one would hope you'd get good at it. Yeah, especially if like you go make a mistake and the customer calls you back and yeah. you got to go back to that boiler and go, what was my? What did I do here? What did yeah. I do wrong? Um, you get really good at it really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Did you make a lot of mistakes early on that you were like, wow, these yeah, are like dude. learning? Like, do you have any like standout mistakes that you did? You're like, whoo. Yeah, I was like a young, I was a young, ch young child. <laughs> <laughs> like, I went and tuned a boiler one time, um, day before Thanksgiving, and there's nozzles in these oil boilers and they thread in mm -hmm. and you have to tighten them. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't the day before, it was like a month before Thanksgiving. I tuned to this boiler. I forgot to tighten the nozzle. Tighten the nozzle, mm -hmm. right? I just put it in there. Right. And it was because of the process. It was my process. I had a mm -hmm. process where I took the whole thing and like did something with it over here, and then I had to go back in before I could tighten it or something like that. And I, so there was a step that would allow me to forget. Right. Ah, uh, yeah. So Thanksgiving Day, the dude calls, and his whole boiler is just covered in soot, and his whole stack is oh, sooted wow. up, mm -hmm. and. I didn't go. <laughs> Luckily, my business partner went. He was pissed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. And so anyway, though, like those kind of mistakes, yeah. like I was like, oh, okay. I have to develop a process to where mm. I can't forget mm -hmm. tightening the nozzle, mm -hmm. right? There, it has to be a way of doing things mm. to where it's the same every single time. Right. And it's like, I can't forget this. Right. It's It just gets done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you get really good at it. Gotcha. So we ended up making like, we ended up making pretty good money just doing boiler tunes and mm -hmm. little fix-its here. We were both pretty good with like, you know, residential remodels. Mm -hmm. We could plumb houses. Mm -hmm. So we did lots of remodels, lots of little jobs. Um, we were way underpriced, mm. but didn't know it at the time. So we weren't, re we weren't really like able to keep any money. Mm -hmm. We were just like working a lot and then there would never be any money left. How did you set your prices? We called like three companies mm -hmm. and we, so actually we called like four companies. I remember this, we were in a crawl space together mm. and we called three companies and they were like 110, 120, 135. Did you just pretend to be a customer and just yeah. ask them? Yeah, yep. gotcha. And then we called this company in town that we knew were, was expensive and, we're, and we were like, how much are you? And they were like, oh, we don't charge by the hour, we charge flat rate. And mm -hmm. we're like, that's freaking weird. Mm -hmm. And then... So my, scam to me. so my business partner, he was like, so if you were going to go swap a boiler, how much would it be? And she's like, well, I don't really know. And he's like, so just quick, like cut it out, pull the boiler out, put a new one in. And she's like, well, it'll probably be eight to 10 grand. And we were like, holy mm, crap, yeah. they're just ripping people off, yeah. right? Um, and so we thought, okay, well, we don't want to be those guys. Like, yeah. we're never going to get any work if we're that expensive, right? Yeah. And then... We had these other three, 110, 120, 135. Sure. And we we're like, cool, let's be 90 bucks an hour. Oh, man. So you just went full cheap. Full cheap. Mm -hmm. um, we knew an electrician who had just started his business. And he was, at the time, he was $80 an hour. And so we were like, well, I mean, that's working for him. 
typically plumbers are a little more than electricians, so we'll mm. <laughs> we'll go ninety, <laughs> and we're still cheaper than everybody else in town. Yeah, right? and we quickly learned that ninety dollars an hour just isn't enough. Mm-hmm. It's not not at all. Um, and I think we went up to one ten very quickly. Mm. Um, like at, how quick? Like a month, two months? I think within like a month. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, we felt like like that was a lot. Did you guys have a conversation like, dude, we're not making as much as we made at our jobs? We didn't. Well, we did, just didn't know. We just didn't understand. Like we thought, we thought that we just had to work more to get through this time, and then for some reason, everything would be okay. Like as we grew, right? Like as we scaled, it would just be fine. That we just had to like grind for now. Yeah. So, because I'm trying to think, like, what were you like? Why did you think that? Like, what did you think was going to change as you just well, got so more work? We were, you know, we thought maybe we could go to like 135 once we're like a legit company, like these mm-hmm. other companies, mm-hmm. right? But because we weren't legit, we didn't think we could charge as much as them. Legit as defined by what? Like they had a, you know, multiple vehicles, mm-hmm. a shop, a logo. So you're like, <laughs> you I know. need all these things before I'm quote unquote legit. Yeah. We need to be a real business, right? Sure. Um and it's, and so we probably would have gone to 135, but we we were operating in this belief that like okay, the most we can charge is this, right? That's it. Sure, we're that's what our max is. And for you, that was 110 at the time. It was we probably could have gone to 135, but we didn't feel like we yeah. were sure, sure, legit sure. enough gotcha. to charge that, right? Gotcha. And honestly, we both felt like bad charging a person $110 an hour. Would you have conversations about that like with each other? Like, yeah, cuz it's just I would feel terrible like conversations like that. Oh yeah, cuz it's like mm. it, you know, we were making $48 an hour as foreman mm-hmm. for this other company and so the thought of somebody coming to our house and charging us $110 an hour mm. was like it's, I have to work you know, two and a half of these, my hours mm-hmm. to pay you one of your hours. Mm-hmm. This seems ridiculous, right? So that's how it would translate in your head was like, oh, if I'm yeah. charging this customer 130 bucks an hour, yeah, that's like... Nobody's going to want to pay it. Yeah, because I only made 48 bucks an hour at my job. Like that was sort of your yeah. reference point. They'll call their friend down the road that's a plumber and yeah. he'll come fix it for $50 an hour on the side. Right, right. Yeah. That's what we thought. We didn't understand that people valued companies and mm-hmm. warranties and professional service and sure. quality workmanship and mm-hmm. getting there quickly mm-hmm. today and all that good stuff. Just right. didn't understand that, mm-hmm. right? So we ended up doing okay. Like we paid the bills. We didn't really grow at all. We got ourselves set up with like two vehicles and tools that we pretty much bought with our own income. The business gotcha. didn't even, couldn't even afford those. Mm-hmm. And then we got into a relationship with a a smaller like restoration company mm-hmm. so anytime anything would flood or catch on fire they would go in and rebuild right. restore right mm-hmm. and so we started bidding those and we thought okay this is where we're going to start making money cuz mm-hmm. this is where like now we're putting out you know 30 40,000 dollar bids and we're like we just got to get this done and then the cash will come in Sure. Like, so you're thinking like, well, if we just get really good at doing these really fast, yeah, then yep. we'll just like our hourly take home is going to be huge. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's slightly true because the two owners were still working in the business, mm. but we, cr- we quickly realized like, 
we can't hire anybody to do this work. We're forever going to be stuck doing this. And we're busting our nuts on these jobs mm-hmm. to get them done quick because we mm-hmm. we need the cash. Right? And there's a direct correlation between the quicker you do it, you immediately see that return in your pocket. Well, the sooner we can build the general contractor mm-hmm. and then 30 days later we can get paid, right? Right. So we're like fronting 10 grand of materials. We're busting our butts to get this job done. We're waiting on them to get stuff done. Mm. Finally, we can give them a bill. Meanwhile, we're like, we have no cash. We're probably in debt. Mm -hmm. And then you get that chunk, that 30K chunk from the general contractor, and it's like this moment of relief, but then it's all gone again. Sure, because you have to go pay off all the things that you... Yeah. Went the debt for. Yep. And you can't hire anybody because mm. you're actually not making enough money to hire anybody. Mm-hmm. I remember doing those calculations. I'm like, man, an employee is going to cost us this much. And we're barely charging more than what an employee is going to cost us. How are we going to pay all these other business expenses? Right. So it was like this idea of like, okay, we have to keep our business expenses super, super cheap. Right? So that you can sneak in an employee in there at some point. So we can get an employee in, run this like super tight ship. I read this book on Toyota, like run lean and mean, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, super efficient. So I'm like, okay, we got to get really lean, no extra costs. Like mm-hmm. we don't need a shop. We're going to buy old vans. Mm-hmm. We don't need fancy tools. We're going to buy used stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. Like it, it, it kind of works. Like you can go and you can make a mm-hmm. paycheck, um, but it's a you, you're just really left with that, just a paycheck and a really crappy job, mm-hmm. right? And so at that point in time, it was like we were doing all of this on the side, nights and weekends, nights and weekends Mm. for like a year. And so at that point in time, we had got enough work from this general contractor to where we needed to quit our jobs and like stick to it full time. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was like, man, I don't want this. Like if this is what doing this work is and owning your own business is, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And so I gave my portion of the business to my partner mm-hmm. and he went off and I knew that like the relationship wasn't going to work sure. because he was willing to work more than I was. Yeah. So that being one indication, but was there any other indications where you just saw that this long-term wasn't going to pencil on the relationship? It was long-term. I wasn't going to pencil on the relationship. That was probably the the biggest reason why I mm-hmm. split ways with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also realized like the only way to make that business model worked work is to just work your nuts off. Sure. And that's exactly what he has done. He sure. is, to this day, as far as I know, he works his nuts off, right? Mm-hmm. And he makes an okay income, mm-hmm. but he works his nuts off for it, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if he just built like a business mm-hmm. that can run on its own, he wouldn't have to work his nuts off mm-hmm. and he could make far more income, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of I kind of went away. Um, did you guys ever have like buttings of heads about like business philosophy? No, not really, because mm-hmm. neither of us were businessmen. Neither <laughs> of us had studied business philosophy. Yeah. Um, at the time, I had joined like a service roundtable group, and I think they're still around. Was and that I, like a physical group? Like, no, it's an online group mm-hmm. that you can join. And I remember hearing some of these things that service companies were doing, and I was like, huh, okay, like. I started getting this inclination that like service is the way to go. Okay, sure. And so I went back to my job. We finished up the project we were on. It actually got shut down. There was and that's at the employer that you left. The employer that I was working for. I didn't leave. They ended up. They didn't fire me. They laid me off. But it might as well have been a firing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I finally pissed him off enough. Like the last four, the last few years working there were really strange. Mm -hmm. And I was, the job was going poorly Mm. and I was getting pissed and I was letting them know. So you're just getting mouthy. I was, um, looking back, like I look back on it now and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could have been more cordial. I could have been more helpful, but at the same time, like what they were asking me to do was ridiculous. Sure. Um, and I, and I wanted to quit. I, I was going to quit, um, but I kept talking myself out of it. And then when they laid me off, I was like, damn it, I should have quit. <laughs> yeah, right? sure, because then you just wasted all that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I you know, I went and worked for a few other contractors, learned how they did stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is like, it was weird how two different people had two different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And one way seemed so much easier. Mm-hmm. I was like, these guys do it way better than these guys over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a cool experience. I learned a lot, like going and actually, I didn't want to be a foreman on anything at that point. I was mm. tired of it. You just wanted to go put your head down and work. So I just went to work. I worked for some guys that were really good, really knowledgeable, put my head down, went to work. I learned a ton about work, um, mm. about the way that they went about their work. It was super cool. Um, but then it's, but then I just got stuck in that same thing. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, now what? You know. Mm-hmm. So then I, I was a foreman for... Uh another company on a couple projects, a couple different companies, and then I decided, okay, I want to go back into business. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there, I went back into business for like a year for myself Mm -hmm. and just did residential service. And I did okay. Mm -hmm. I I didn't make very much money, but I I had a lot of freedom. Sure. So, and I recognized then that like, okay, it's either I work a ton and make good money or I don't work very much and I don't make enough money. But at that same time, my wife had become a teacher, and so we got that income. Sure. So I didn't really have to work as much. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have to make as much money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool to have that freedom. But then ultimately what ends up happening is people start finding out about your business, and then all of a sudden I'm just super busy, mm-hmm. and I can't handle it all. And you can't just turn down all the business. And I can't just turn it off, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you feel bad. Yeah, you I was going to ask, like, you have these customers, you've, you're you busy, and then you have this customer that you've served, you know, multiple times, and they're happy with your service, and you want to go get them taken care of because you care about your business, right. but then you have all of these other customers, these new customers coming in, and you're just one guy, and you, and you can't physically do it all. Mm. So I was booking out, like, three or four months out. Holy um, moly, And people would months. wait. Yeah. They would wait? They would wait because Dang. I was cheap. Oh, That's it. Wow. Um, yeah, maybe they enjoyed my service. Maybe mm-hmm. they like supporting my family. Um, but ultimately, I think they were willing to wait because I was cheap. Yeah, is really what it was. Um, so you couldn't you couldn't operate forever in the oh I only take a couple jobs a day maybe or like minimal workload this week so I can have maximum freedom. Yeah. you couldn't just hit that and stay in there. No, even in the, if you wanted to. In the beginning, that's how it was. Yeah, it so was, you were like, this is cool. Yeah, it was do a couple jobs, make some money. It was cool. Wife's go, working. We're, yep. do, we're doing okay. Yep. And I remember talking to a, um, my parents had a friend who was an electrical contractor and he had kept it really small, just him and his mm. son, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd made lots of money. Um, and he would always tell me, dude, if you're too busy, raise your prices. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay. And so I did. I raised my prices to 140 and I was still just as busy, right? And I was like, I can't go any higher than 140. Like I thought I was one of the more expensive ones in town yeah. at that rate. And he, I'd saw him, see him again and he'd be like, just raise your prices again. Yeah. And I'm like, you want to get less busy. Yeah. Just raise your prices. 
And I remember talking to people about him, like other electricians on jobs, and they'd be like, dude, that guy will go in and bid jobs for like astronomical amounts. And now I get it. He was smart. He yeah. was like, I'm just going to go bid them all astronomically and I'll land one of them and yeah. I'll make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. And that's what yeah. he does. And then he'll just do one job instead of having to do like four or five he does. jobs or whatever. He works his butt off like six months out of the year and then he he literally tells his general contractors that he works for, he's like, I leave on this date. If your project isn't ready for me to where I can be done by that date, I'm out. You got to get somebody else. Mm. And he does. He leaves. Mm-hmm. Leaves for the winter. Goes to Hawaii. He's, he's hit his rhythm. He has. And he's found is like, yeah, I just do this and it's good and it works for me. Yeah, he has. But at the same time, he is in his 60s and he's still working. Yes. He's still got to work his nuts off. Has he done okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. But he's worked his nuts off for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Doesn't have a business that he can mm-hmm. sell. He's had to put away money for retirement. Mm-hmm. So yeah, has he been successful to a point? Yes. And for him, it seems like that he might have never been introduced to a different way, a nope. different possibility. Yep. So in his mind, the whole thing is he's like, dude, I got it great. I take six months off the whole yeah. year. And I'm, and in his mind, he doesn't have a, a company that he has to run. Right? Yeah. Most people think of a company like building a company with employees and processes mm-hmm. and systems. And they're like, that sounds like a headache. But what they don't know is that it's way less headache because you don't have yeah. like once it's systemized and processed, you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, started once, didn't make enough money. I think second time I started, you know, I would I would kind of piggyback. I started up, I'd run for a year, mm. and then I go work for somebody else for a year, and then I'd mm-hmm. run for a year. Why would you Why would you stop in the middle? I stopped because I get stressed out and tired, like mm. overwhelmed, right? And I'd get just tired of it mm-hmm. and so then i go work for somebody else and it was like a relief because there's simplicity you just show up and i just show up they tell me what to do i go responsible for stuff you just do a little bit of work that's set in front of you yep. and then but then i'm going nowhere yeah and i have to wake up and go to this job that i don't really like yeah with these people that i don't really like i don't really relate with yeah. right so did you come back to that hoping it would be different like or did you always know that it wouldn't be different I always knew it would be different. I tried a few different contractors. They were all the same. Mm-hmm. All the work was the same. Yeah, It was always just go to work, put up hangers, put pipe in hangers mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. And I was tired of it. Um, so yeah. So then third time, I'm like, okay, I got to make this work. And at that point in time, I, I knew there were residential service contractors that have legit businesses. Um and I didn't know the extent of it either. I was looking in my own market and even a little bit in the United States of like, okay, there's guys that have like 10 trucks, 20 trucks. Mm-hmm. They have a business. Mm-hmm. It's They have to be profitable. Like they make it work. Mm-hmm. I, I just need to figure out what they're doing and how to make it work where I'm at, right? And I looked at other contractors in town and I was like, okay, you know, they've got four or five trucks. They've got six or seven trucks. They're making it work. Like, what do I got to do? So, um, yeah. Real quick before we sort of get into that pivot, because this is like mm-hmm. a pivotal moment in your story. Yeah. Can you speak to like, what, what, how is your family experiencing this to the best of your retrospective memory? Like, how's your wife experiencing this, right? Because like... You're doing all these pivots and you're making yeah. these changes. Like, what's she doing? What does she think about this? She probably just doesn't. She probably just wants me to be happy at that point. She yeah. probably doesn't really care. She's probably like, man, he's miserable when he goes to work. <laughs> when he's working for somebody else, he's miserable. And when he's working for himself, he's miserable. Mm-hmm. I wish he would just figure this out, mm-hmm. right? 
So she's probably at that point like, okay, I just want you to figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. Whatever you got to do to figure this out, mm-hmm. figure it out, which was nice. So she was pretty supportive. Like every time you were like, babe, I got laid off today. I'm starting up again. Like, or what did she think about the first time you're going to go into business with your business partner? Um, it scared her because mm-hmm. I, I went and bought a van. I went and bought this old crappy used van. It was like five grand. I didn't have any money. I had to finance it. Uh, was that your first finance? That, um, no, that was the second vehicle I ever financed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was a piece of junk. Like, it was the worst vehicle. So did you drive it home, and was she just like, Jared, what is that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked kind of okay. Yeah. But, man, I can't believe I drove that around. Especially <laughs> <laughs> knowing what you know now. Uh, yeah. 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 That's the second time I went into business for myself. I went and bought a, a brand-new you know, Mercedes high-roof van, and it was like... At that point in time, I was like, I'm going to do this. I was pretty committed to doing it seriously that mm-hmm. time. And I knew from the last time, I just, I didn't work enough. Ah. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to work more. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to earn some cash. I'm going to get this, yeah. figure this out. Was it at that point that you understood one of your strong skill sets is just putting your head down and working? Like, did you realize that at about yourself at the time? Nope. No yeah. clue. Gotcha. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you just, you just get, okay, gotcha. I just knew like, okay, I just got to like put my head down and work and get this done. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I would, I put my head down and I would just crack the whip on myself and mm-hmm. I would work 60 hours, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I made pretty good money that year. But I think even that year working that much. Mm, sure. You know, like that was like working on the field 60, 70 hours a week and then coming home and doing the paperwork and the billing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Because um, I hadn't gotten to the point where I was like billing customers on site. Right. For some reason. Yeah, because you're like, I'll I just felt do this bad. later. I would like go look at the work and then I would leave and I would send them a bid because I didn't I didn't want to be there when you I gave them the bid. You didn't want to look I them in the bad. eyes. Yeah, I felt bad yeah. about how much it costs, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I was the probably the cheapest in town still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it was uncomfortable because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that in my previous job. Mm. So it was a new thing, right? Um, yeah. I don't remember where I was going with that. How did, um, how was your family life at that point when you're working all these hours and then you're working on the business outside of hours and like, how was that stretch of time for you and your family? I mean, I think it was fine. Um, too bad we don't have Crystal here. Yeah, she give, <laughs> give the real. <laughs> she probably remember more. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was working all the time. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like I was still pretty good at like. My wife would probably tell you like all you think about is work. Yeah. Right. I bet yeah. she would say that. Yeah, because I mean that comes sort of in later in the story, especially I'll, when like you get because we would have these conversations about where you're you'd be like, well, I get really focused, and then the business just takes over my brain. It does. And then like. You would share that, like, when your wife is trying to talk to you, she mm-hmm. knows that you would just be like, sorry, thinking about work, mm-hmm. would you say? Yep. And, like, because your brain is so good at focusing on something really intensely. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, I still do that to this day. Yeah. Like, I still think about whatever I got going on intensely. Yeah. So, and, and I did it back then, too. Like, in the, in the middle of all this running my own company, I, you know, I would run 100 milers. And in the times when I would run 100 milers, it was funny, we were talking to our sales guy yesterday and he was Mm -hmm. like, was it you that said I just need to focus on my workout? 
Uh, yeah. 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 You're like, I'm just going to focus on the workout I'm doing is because when I would run, I couldn't put on music. Yeah. So I would run like six hours at a whack just with your breath. And I would literally just just... thinking about my breathing and what I was doing. Mm. And that was it. So, cause I think that's like a, I don't know. I think that you being able to push yourself physically in that way, I think has led to other parts of your success. So when did you start? Well, just the character, I mean, the character traits to just go run a hundred miles, right? Like yeah. that takes a certain amount of dedication to the craft mm-hmm. that then you can transfer to other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. When did you start like running and why running? Dude, cause I skateboarded my whole life, skateboarded, instead of going to school, right? Yeah. Instead of going to school. Mm-hmm. And then when I had kids and I started working, snowboarding was like way too expensive. Sure. Like getting a season pass, buying a snowboard having the gear, it was just too expensive. Yeah, I couldn't do it for my whole family and I wasn't going to go do it by myself. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I, and then skateboarding became too big of a risk. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. You're an adult yeah, if and you're I, like, I can't do this stuff anymore. Yeah, if I break my leg, I'm out for a while. I can't go to work. And I can't have that risk, mm-hmm. right? And the chances of that happening are pretty high mm-hmm. if I'm really into skateboarding, right? right? Um, and I'm not one to dabble. I'm an all-in kind of person, uh-huh. right? So That's important too. So then I had a buddy of mine that was like, hey, he was running a 5K, three miles, 3.1 mm-hmm. miles. He's like, you want to come run it with me? And I was like, no, are you crazy? And like, you know, I'd gotten in with these plumbers and pipe fitters and they taught me how to like eat gas station food mm-hmm. and drink energy drinks mm-hmm. and start smoking <laughs> and and drink beer every night. Yeah. Make fun and, of those stupid guys running on the side of the road. Yeah. So I'd like gained a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. I was pretty unhealthy. And then... I had this buddy, he's like, dude, you want to come run this 5K with me? And I was like, no. And he's like, come on, I need somebody to do it with me. I was like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for this 5K. I've never ran more than a mile in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you an apprentice at this time? No, I was turned out. Okay, cool. Yeah, turned out. So you're in that stage of working for that company that you work for I think for I had just time. turned out, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Just turned out, um, yeah. Went and ran a 5K mm-hmm. like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Didn't train for it. Of course. Felt like I was going to die at the end. Ran it 28 minutes. was just super slow. Yeah. Um, no, I think I did it in 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was over a 10-minute mile. Which 5K was it? Like whereabouts in town? Like what did you run? It was in town. It was the... It was. I don't know what it's called. It was over by the Princess Hotel. Mm-hmm. It was all pavement, flat. Yeah. Should have been easy. Yeah. And then I was like, dude, that was hard. Like, I'd never done anything that hard. Oh, interesting. That was freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, for some reason, I kind of liked it. And so then... <laughs> How long did it take you to realize that you kind of liked it? I Right when I was done. You're like, huh. I hated it when I was doing it. And um, then the second I finished, I was like, hmm. that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I hmm. signed up for another one the next weekend. Mm-hmm. Did another 5K, same flat on pavement. And I did it in 28 minutes. So I improved by five minutes over a week. And I was like, huh, this huh. is cool. Huh. Um, and then I remember I remember, I started running fairly regularly, ran my first half marathon that same mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. So I was probably 25 when that happened. Because mm-hmm. my friend Jeremy had just died. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was 24 or 25, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, and then from there, the next summer I ran my first marathon... Then the next summer, I ran my first 100K, so 62 miles. Wow. So you went like, you just started knocking those things down. Yeah. As far as the, like, you didn't take any time going from 5K to half marathon, and then the next year marathon. 
then 100K, and then that winter I ran my first 100 miler pulling a sled, and then I ran it. I think I ran it again the next winter. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. What was your like? You just did it. Like, so why did you continue that progression? It was that same thing. Mm-hmm. The marathon when I got done, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in mm-hmm. my whole life. And mm-hmm. then when I got done, it was like this thing. Like, I did it. It was. And it, it's mm. the whole time I was doing it, I was like, this freaking sucks. Mm. Why do I do this? Mm-hmm. And then when I got done, I was like, I did it. That was fun. Mm. And then the 100 mm. milers are the exact same way. <laughs> Just way longer. <laughs> yeah. The whole time in the, like the 100 milers were way cooler because the amount of training that you have to put into a 100 miler far exceeds the amount of training that you have to put into a, a marathon. Yeah. I guess when you, when you told the story about how you just did it, you didn't lean into the fact that, because I, I remember this like, um, I kind of remember this kind of vividly about you when for your birthday, all you wanted to do was go run and your family yeah. knew that. And so they just said, Jared can go run this weekend for his uh-huh. birthday. Uh-huh. I remember hearing that, I'd be like, huh, that's interesting. And then hear that like, oh yeah, Jared just went and ran like 30 or 40 miles this day. And I was like, what? Why? Like, what, what do you mean he went and ran? <laughs> I don't even drive 30 miles in like a week. And yeah. it's just funny. And you're like, yeah, I just like, I have food drops, I have water drops, and yep. it's all set up, and I just leave my house, and I come back at the end of the yeah. day. And I was like, what kind of what is kind of life is that? Like yeah. It was so strange to me. But I but, had a couple different routes I would run to make up longer runs, and I would go mm-hmm. by, I had uh, two water spots, and I had like uh, four routes that I could make and hit those water spots. Mm-hmm. So I'd go buy gallon jugs of water mm-hmm. and go set them out at my water spots Friday afternoons, and then Saturday I would run for... I always did it by time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had like a general idea of the route I would do. So I'd run for five to six hours and then wake up on Sunday and run five to six hours. Yeah. And then on Wednesday nights, I would always run 20 miles. That mm. was kind of my training routine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like it wasn't like, oh, you just knocked them down. It's like, no, then no, you started no, to realize no. you needed to train in between to actually do these 100 milers and whatnot. Yep. Mm. So I, yeah, I started training the first time I did that half marathon. Mm-hmm. I think I actually did the half marathon in, I think I did the the 5Ks, the half marathon, and the marathon all in that first summer. And oh, I, wow. Because I had a training program to go run the marathon, and doing mm-hmm. the half marathon was part of it. Sure. Which, uh, half, which half marathon was it? It was in Anchorage. It was, a, okay. again, flat pavement mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Yeah. And then train for the Equinox Marathon. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I remember... My legs, I was like, my legs have never been that sore, mm. even to this day. Mm-hmm. Like I could barely walk. Mm-hmm. I was like, thought I was gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's funny how that happens. It's funny how you just keep going, and then bigger things don't seem as bad. Yeah, I mean, I think. Okay, let's just pause on that for a second, and then just transfer that right into the the business concept, because, like, the experience of like the experience of running a marathon mm-hmm. and training for it and then continuing to train and then running a hundred K the hundred K didn't seem as bad. It was harder, right? Mm-hmm. Mentally to keep mm-hmm. going, but my legs weren't as tired at the end mm-hmm. of the hundred K as they were at the end of that first marathon. It's almost like a break point. Kind of. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going and doing the hundred miler and experiencing like the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then even like my second hundred miler, I was like walking pretty good the second day. Yeah. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, and then I remember my fourth hundred miler, I'd had the experience of the the first 300 milers and it was like, 
okay, you can go run a hundred miles and your legs aren't but that bad the next mm-hmm. day. Like I'm probably not pushing myself hard enough during yeah. the run. So that fourth one, it was the last one I ever did. Um, I ran, I, I pushed really, really hard mm-hmm. and ran it way faster. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was rad. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Did your father-in-law run with you on that one? The Did, la- did he, he do hundred miles with you? He did. Yeah. 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 We did the first, we did the two, we did two Susitna 100s together where mm-hmm. you pull a sled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was too slow. So then I went and did the white mountains 100 without mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that was the last one I ran. I did Resurrection Pass was my third one. It was mm-hmm. a summer one. Did a few 50 milers in there for training sure. and stuff. Um, that was my, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized like, oh, I can push myself a lot harder than I right. think I can. Mm-hmm. And then I went and did White Mountains 100. That was my last one. Yeah. Pulled a sled. It was in the wintertime. Mm. It's probably my fastest one. Mm. I don't know what my time was, but yeah. Hmm. Then I was like, cool, I had enough of this. Yeah, okay, so you, <laughs> you... You've proved to yourself that you can do these very hard things. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then shortly after that, hmm. after that White Mountains, that's when I'd started my company for the third time. Like, okay. Sh- just right after that, mm-hmm. probably the very next summer. Mm-hmm. So that race is in, I think that race is in March. Mm-hmm. There's still snow on the ground, still fairly cold. I think probably in April, I started my company back up. Oh, wow. In uh, April, June, July, sometime in. I think it was in August, actually, mm-hmm. when I started my company back up the third time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I got, you know, I grew a company. It was hard to go run. Didn't yeah. have enough time. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I think at that time, weren't you building your house, too, when you were building your company? Yeah. We built, uh, yeah, we built our home. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. We built that. We built our home fast. Yep. Like in a few months. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Small home. Yeah. It was fun, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so third time I started up, I had all these lessons from previously. Yeah. Like I knew that there was something going on that I didn't know. Sure. Because there's knew, companies out there being able to do this. Yep. I knew there was other companies that were doing it. I knew that at the price point that I was at, that I, I couldn't afford or the, or the, it was either the price point or the way I was going about my work that I couldn't afford to hire somebody. Mm. that it just didn't make sense. The numbers didn't match, right? Mm-hmm. There was no profit margin there. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I was like, I got to figure this out. I'm like, I got to find somebody that knows what they're doing mm-hmm. so that I can so that I can pay them and they can tell me, mm-hmm. this is how you run a service company, like a residential service right. company, right? Mm-hmm. And so went and paid for that information, got figured out how to like actually price myself mm-hmm. learned that like there's this whole world of residential service plumbing businesses that make tons of money right um and do mm-hmm. very well and they run really good businesses where their customers are happy and their technicians are happy and the owners are happy mm-hmm. i learned that you could systemize businesses so there wasn't a giant headache mm-hmm. and i was like cool, this is like, I'm on it. Right. This is like, once I saw that vision, it was like this thing clicked in my head of like, oh, I get it. Like, this is what we got to do. And so immediately like raised my prices, um, Mm -hmm. went to $259 an hour at Mm -hmm. the time. And this is what, this was August of 2019, I believe. Yeah. Do you want to, I mean, do you want to go into that process of like, 
because you hired a coach and then like that was like, was that difficult for you? Like what was like, mm, cause mm. you came, cause you came into the business and you're like, oh man, like I need help with this. Mm-hmm. And then you, you hired a coach. Cause I just remember like the stories in my mind, the story's funny. Cause you didn't, you weren't a hundred percent honest with your wife, Jared, uh. about hiring the coach and what that went. Nope. Um, but you, I told her it was half the cost of what it really was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this particular coaching program, it had different tiers, but you just went all in on like the help me. Yeah. I needed mm-hmm. help. I knew I needed help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to get the best help I can get to yeah. have the best. Like, cause I, at that point I was like, I'm making this work no sure. matter what. Sure. Right. You had clarity about that idea. Yes. You, so, had, you also had a little insight that this is possible. Yes. Mm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so then the coach really opened your eyes to the world of like, yeah, this is possible. Yep. It you, is. Your your intuition is mm-hmm. correct. Yep. Yep. Mm. And then I started like going and joining Facebook groups and like uh. actually doing research mm-hmm. and finding all these people online and podcasts like Tommy Mello, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff, and just absorbing as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, find a got found Alex Harmozy at that time, mm-hmm. um, started just watching tons of YouTube videos, podcasts, mm-hmm. reading books, hmm. you know, digesting the coaching stuff, really trying to just learn mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, first thing, you know, finally went through a pricing calculator, finally understood my cost of doing business, mm-hmm. raised my rates to $259 an mm-hmm. hour, still underpriced, was um, that difficult for you? Extremely difficult mm-hmm. because I no I in like in my mind in our market the only people charging that were people that I had heard were just ripping people off sure. for the last you know ten years. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard about the people who were charging that. Mm-hmm. And so and I thought nobody's going to pay this. Sure. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's going to pay me two hundred fifty nine dollars. You never met anybody who'd pay that. I would never pay it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think anybody else was going to pay it. Mm-hmm. So the first job I went to, I still remember to this day, this guy wanted a butt ton of work done. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> here we go. And so I wrote down all the stuff he wanted done. And I just wrote down how much it was going to cost. I said, okay, this is probably going to take me like eight hours. I'm going to times it by $259. And then I added up all the materials. I doubled the material cost. And then I went to him and I was like, hey, man, here's everything that you want me to do that I can do for you. Here's how much it's going to cost. And he was like, whew, are all plumbers that expensive? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what other plumbers charge. Mm. And he was like, cool, let's do it. I was like, (laughs) that was a good answer. Holy moly. That's a good answer to give him. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and it was thousands of dollars. Yeah. Like it was more than I had billed out ever. Mm. And it was like, holy cow, people will pay for this. Right. And, and so in that guy's, you know, that guy after that job, I got it all done. And he goes, dude, you know, that's like, you know, you're like close to $250 an hour. And I was like, I, had, I don't remember what I said to him. Um, he like calculated it out and he was like, this guy's like $250 an hour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I just said, yeah, it looks that way. huh?" And he was like, yeah, but you know, I called everybody else in town and I couldn't even, nobody would even answer their phone. Mm. And you answered your phone and you got here the same day. Mm-hmm. Like I called you this morning and you were here this afternoon and you got it all done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, exactly. Mm. So you so you got there in the morning and you finished this job just in that one day? Yeah. Yep, same mm-hmm. day. I was mm-hmm. there till like six or seven at night. Yeah. 
but I got it all done. Mm -hmm. It was all really nice. He was very happy with the work. Mm -hmm. He thought it was expensive, but it was worth the work that he got done. Right. Sure. Um, and I remember just having that epiphany of like, Oh, okay. There's, there is value in answering your phone, getting there quickly and actually doing what you, what you say you're going to do. Right. right? Cause mo most companies in town, they're, there's a, like typically there's a lack of plumbing companies in most places. Sure. Um, and it might look like you have tons of competition. Like I remember when I first hired my general manager, he was like, there's tons of competition. Like it seems like new plumbing businesses are popping up every day. Like sure. how are you going to go out and, and build this big old company when there's all this competition? Mm -hmm. The reality of it is, is there, it's an underserved market. Like mm -hmm. no matter where you go for the most part, mm -hmm. Most places I've looked, it's an underserved market because there's a lack of plumbers, number one, mm -hmm. so it's hard to get plumbers. And then most people who start their business make those same mistakes that I did. They price mm -hmm. themselves so cheap and they turn their work into a commodity, right. right? To where they're just barely paying their bills and they can't grow their business, right? Mm -hmm. And so now they are limited on the amount of customers they can serve. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's tons of people out there who have plumbing businesses but mm. they're all extremely limited on how many people they can serve right. because they're not pricing their services properly. Sure. They're not pricing off value. They're pricing based on commodity. Mm -hmm. And the market is starving right. for companies to come in and actually grow a real business mm -hmm. and be able to get to them quickly, mm -hmm. right? But that takes having lots of guys. Right, sure. Um, and so if you can do that, you're going to make tons of money. Mm -hmm. So... I'm 259. I work for three months. I put away 80 grand. Mm -hmm. Three months by myself. I put my head down. Mm -hmm. I think like a month in, I realized, okay, if if I can get somebody to answer my phones mm -hmm. and run my schedule, that would save me a lot of headache. And then I could actually go do more work. Right. And then the lady answering my phones can do the billing. Sure. Make sure everything's getting paid, and then I don't got to think about that. Yeah, that's going to carve off some time. And, yeah. and really quick, let me just provide the outside perspective on this process because it was actually kind of funny because, I mean, I've known you for like 10 or so years, mm -hmm. and I've only known you really for like, gosh, three or four years mm -hmm. maybe, right? When we started a home church, we did all these things. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, Jared seems like a like-minded fella. Uh -huh. But it was interesting watching like your transformation and how other people would perceive it. Uh -huh. Like very like, did you hear Jared's reading books now? Because it was almost like it was almost like a a uh, a light switch where like one week it was like Jared you'd be like I don't read no books books yeah. are stupid I just like do whatever like that was the perceived perception of you yeah and then the next week you're like telling our friends like you should read this book yeah and they would give you a hard time like Jared you don't even know how to yep. read you know because yep. you just had that perception yep so it was sort of funny watching from the outside in how people perceived you mm -hmm. and I think it the takeaway for that for people listening is like when you lean into your business, be prepared to like feel a little pushback and like, you know, maybe your current circle of friends are going to like give you some shit about it <laughs> because you start to do nerd stuff. You start to like totally. listen to guys on the internet and like start to go th do this other stuff. And yep. like, but they're all going to be jealous in about a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause you, whenever we start to take seriously the things that we become passionate about or the mm -hmm. important things, it always looks a little weird from the outside. 
Yeah. Because you're just like, what are you doing all this? What are you What are you reading these books for? Yeah. Like, what is, like <laughs> isn't this just like a big yeah. scam? Like, why don't you just go to work like everybody else, like yeah. a normal person? Yeah. And so like, it was just interesting from the outside, like yeah. watching. Because for me, I was watching, I was like, yeah, Jared's doing cool stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because like, we would have more regular conversations where you're yeah. like, oh, I got this coach. I'm doing this. Like, even that. Yeah. Like, people would be like, Jared's spending how much per month? Like, that's more than my mortgage yeah. on a coach. Like, yeah. this is insane just for a guy to tell him stuff. Yeah. And, like, people just wouldn't get it. And it was just interesting watching. Because from my perspective, I was like, well, he's going to do what he's going to do. It's like, if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. Um, <laughs> yep. But it's cool that he's reading because reading is helpful. Yeah. And I encourage that. Yep. Um, And so, yeah, it was just funny just watching people sort of, like, puzzle about it. Uh-huh. And then like, oh, Jared's on social media? That's weird. <laughs> you know, yep. Just like, uh, but you... Jared has 2,000 friends on Facebook all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah like what, why is Jared weird. adding everybody on Facebook, you know? Because I wanted to do work. Yeah, because yeah. again, you're, one of your superpowers is just being able to focus and put your head down and work. Yep. And so you're very good at not being deterred by what people are saying or what they're thinking. No, I could care less. Yeah, so you're yeah. like, yeah, I friended everybody I know. Yep. And yeah, I'm reading books. And like, I don't care if you find that funny. I'm yeah. reading books. You should read books too. Yeah. Um, yep. So it was just a, it was like a fun thing just to watch. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, look at him go. He's doing stuff. And everybody's sort of confused. Yep. And then meanwhile, like fast forward today where you are living in a, a world of success that a lot of our friends could probably achieve. Yeah, they totally Especially could. some of them who are yeah. very talented, very smart. Yep. They could definitely achieve what you have done. But they just don't think about certain things in, you know. They just don't want it bad enough. That's really what I think it is. They either don't think they can achieve it or they just don't want it bad enough. Yeah. 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 So it's just funny because here you are like, yeah, the guy who doesn't read books, but now he reads books. The guy who doesn't do these things and you've done all these things. And then. And I think that's like a good, like that's a good view because like those things to me were dorky too. Right. Yeah. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. You were probably like, yeah, I know. I got to read books now. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I hated reading books, but I wanted it so bad mm. that I was willing to read whatever books I had to read. Sure. I was willing to put whatever time I had to put into it. I was willing to do literally mm-hmm. anything it took to make it successful, as long as it wasn't illegal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it was legal, you got to have boundaries. If it was legal and moral and ethical mm-hmm. and I had to do it to be successful. Mm-hmm. I was going to do it. Right. It didn't matter what it was. Like I was going down that road. Mm-hmm. I was 100% committed to it. Yeah, and it's amazing because those things that you did, they fundamentally, I would say they uh, fundamentally altered your personality. Totally. Not like core personality, like you're still funny, you're still kind, all these mm-hmm. things, but they fundamentally altered your value set. They did. And so that can be uncomfortable for people. It because ca- they completely shifted the way that I think about the world. Right. Yeah. It's and the it's the idea of like it's we kind of talked about it on our last podcast, like limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. It's like I learned things that I used to think weren't true mm. and that actually this other thing is true. Right. Right. So in my mind, there was like not just this pursuit of like having a successful business. It was like pursuit of finding out what's actually true in the world, right? Yeah. Um, Gaining that better Mm -hmm. understanding of how the world works, how money works, how Mm -hmm. business works, like Mm -hmm. finding out the real things, the actual truths, like what, 
And the only way I could do that was through books. Yeah, sure. Like the only way I could find that out. Like, oh, I actually believe this thing that's not yeah. true. This book mm-hmm. is telling me the opposite. Mm-hmm. And they have all this proof of it. And it makes total logical sense. I should probably change the way I think about this. Yeah. Okay, so the picture in my mind is this. It's like you're in the bottom of a valley and you have a ladder. And the ladder doesn't have any rungs on it. And all you can see in this valley is what's in front of you. It's just the yep. grass. It's just there's no hope. There's fog. You don't know what else is there. But then if you imagine each one of these rungs as a book, and suddenly slowly that book, that ladder starts to fill, and you can crawl up this ladder. And what mm-hmm. happens is as you absorb that knowledge and information, you get bigger perspective, and you can see that, like, you are at the bottom of a tiny set of hills, but there's these other mountains that you can get to the top of. Yep. And the taller you get to these mountains, the more you can get an accurate picture of the land. Yep. And so, like, you're down in this valley where nothing is possible. You're only going to make this much. This is what money is. This is what life is. And then as you slowly educated yourself with knowledge and experience, because you had a business, you were able to get outside of that small valley and then be like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's actually, a. first off, where I was living wasn't a valley. It was this tiny little divot (laughs) in a world full of wealth and potential. Yep. But you wouldn't have never known that had you not read that Learned first more. book. Yeah. Yep. Hired that first mentor. Yep. Made that first step. Yep. yep. And then just continued to build on that yep. and like didn't let that momentum stall out. Yep. You just kept pushing yourself until you achieved. Well, you're still pushing yourself right now. Like you're yeah. still trying to achieve more. So you're yeah. still adding rungs to that ladder. Yeah. I think that's a very accurate analogy. And it kind of goes back to like at the very beginning of this conversation, we talked about that your business was built under a cap because you said, oh, I can only scale to whatever my pricing is. You weren't yep. even thinking in those terms. You're saying we got to fit everything under the $135 an hour mark idea. Yep. yep. And now like you're climbed your ladder right through that idea Yep. into this thing where it's like, no, it's not about fitting things under a price cap. No. It's about your business like cost this much to run. Yep. And there's an abundance of people out there who want a good service. Yep. And it's a completely different shift that is fundamentally a mindset shift Yep. that has then allowed you to then actually go and do the things you want to do. My mind has shifted completely from like, let's make this bill as small as possible for this customer mm. and do the least amount of work for them, but still solve their problem mm. to where they don't have to pay, where they can pay me as little money as possible for it. Mm. Because that's how most plumbers are thinking. When you say it that way, it sounds like, how are you ever going to make money at that? (laughs) Well, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, To a mindset of how can I provide the customer as much value as possible so that I can charge as much as I possibly can for it right? so that I can run a legit business, right? right? And with, like, that's how you should view any business. But the weird thing about plumbing business is Mm -hmm. it costs you a butt ton of money to run a plumbing business. (laughs) Yeah. And so you absolutely have to charge lots of money for it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to charge lots of money for it, then you better bring that customer lots of value. Yeah. Right? Or you or that customer is not going to be okay with it. Yeah. That. Your service is going to seem way too expensive for the value that they got from you. Right. Yeah. But in the instance of this first guy that I went and charged mm-hmm. $259 an hour for, right? which is still too cheap, mm-hmm. he even recognized, like, dang, this guy answered his phone. Mm-hmm. He showed up. He gave me a price. He did the work. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. It's two code. He's licensed, bonded, insured, and he got it done today. Mm. And now it's done, and I don't have to think about right. it. Right. Tons of value to him, mm-hmm. right? And so most plumbers are already 
Like if they can figure out how just to answer their phone and go to the job and do the job, right. they're already offering a ton of value, right, to the customer, but then they're not charging for it. Right. And it's it's not cool. Right. And that's why they can't grow their business, right? right? They have more expenses than the value they're bringing to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, they have they are charging less than what it costs them to bring that value to the marketplace, right? right? Mm-hmm. So 259 I remember going through that. I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to work. Um, hired your wife as my CSR, mm-hmm. right? She started taking over answering the phones, mm-hmm. um, handling the customer database. She ran my schedule. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Like huge relief in my brain. Yeah, if you just think about like the time exchange where it's like you suddenly had my wife as your CSR eight hours a day to do stuff for you. Dude, yeah. Like that's like eight like, hours a day that you did that one. That's eight hours a day that's like necessary work that you would have to handle in one way or another. Yeah. That's something you don't have to worry about. Yeah. Like you and just for a very small fee too. Like your mm-hmm. wife was at home especially with your kids. Especially with my wife because you paid her. You paid her <laughs> nothing. I well, it's all I could afford. I, yeah. I thought like I probably would have paid her more. Right. It wasn't out I of know now. And right? she was down to help. She didn't care. Yeah. So, but for her it was a good deal too because she's sitting at home. Yeah. She's bored. She can't go get a job because she's mm-hmm. got kids at home. Mm-hmm. And here I am. I'm like, hey, I'll pay you. I said ten dollars an hour minimum wage was what ten fifteen, so yeah. we had to give her a raise <laughs> yeah, like right away. Day one, yeah, hey, you got she's a raise. Like, Ooh, I got a raise. 15 so we cents. paid her minimum wage to mm-hmm. sit, in, and she's sitting at home. She's answering phones. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't full time work to starting no. out, um, and so she was getting paid to be at home basically. I mean, and right? she she enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, yeah. it's still like fun for her. It's still like yeah, she just likes doing things well. Yeah. Like she not needs just something likes, to do. but like she's like, yeah, this is fun. I get to hang out and mm-hmm. help my friend. With this business, cool. Yeah, but for you, you're like, dang, eight hours of work that I don't got to think about. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So literally, for like two thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. eight hours of brain space is what I got back yeah, every single day, day mm-hmm. right? And so that just allowed me to be more effective at going out in the field, mm-hmm. being the best technician I can be, and just stacking money away, mm-hmm. right? So I did that for the first three months. I stacked away, paid all of my bills paid off all of my credit cards, paid your wife, mm-hmm. paid my van payment, paid all my business expenses, stacked away $80,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was working my ass off. Sure. Right? I was just going and going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then literally end of month three, I hired my first technician because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I've got 80 grand. I'm way too busy. Mm-hmm. I think end of month two, I bought another van. I got a shop. And then end of month three, I hired my first technician Mm -hmm. and then got him up and rolling. Um, And then it was like pretty much hire a technician every month until I got all of a sudden I found myself in a position with seven guys and a general Mm -hmm. manager. Mm -hmm. It went really fast, right? Yeah, it went super fast. So I love how we talk about it because it's like in our minds, it's ancient history. It feels like ancient history. And when I was going through it, it didn't feel that fast. Yeah. But when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, that was fast. Mm-hmm. Um, couple things I did right though. The second I decided to start my business again, mm-hmm. brought on a full-time marketing company, mm-hmm. right? And then I knew that marketing was going to take a little bit to kick off. Mm-hmm. And so I went and did a bunch of like boots on the ground, guerrilla mm-hmm. marketing stuff, got on Facebook, added 2000 friends mm-hmm. that were in Fairbanks, mm-hmm. was preaching every day that I started a plumbing business, um, 
you know, putting out flyers, all sorts of stuff. If I had any spare time, I was guerrilla marketing. Right. Um, so that, that was good because then by the time I hired my first hire, mm-hmm. um, we had marketing going and right. we were starting to get calls coming dude, in the door from dude, the that's marketing. that's so important. Right? Like what you said right there, like by the <laughs> time you hired your first hire, you had marketing going. Yes. Like, so I've been thinking about this um, lately and the order of operations in your business, I think is so important. Yeah. Like if you mess up the order, like yeah. that is, that is the, that is equivalent to just making a blind mistake. Like, cause it's, it is a mistake. And I yeah. think that guys like you don't consider the order cause you don't know what you don't know. Yep. And so you're just like, okay, why? Well, I have an idea that I need these things. Let's just do these things. Yep. But if you mess up the order, especially with marketing, it can put you in a really lame spot. Yep. Cause then, you know, if you run out of work and you got too many guys now, suddenly you're like, I got what guys don't do is they don't lay off guys and they just try to make it work by pivoting. Right. Yep. Oh, I'm going to pivot into a, a, a new construction. Yep. Right. I'm going to go get in line with all these contractors or like, I'm going to go do all these restaurants mm-hmm. or building maintenance kind of stuff. And then they're pivoting, but they're not addressing the core problem. Yep. Or they're like, I'm going to go hire this guy who says he can get leads for $30 a lead, right? Right, yeah. Or something. Instead of putting in like a marketing system yeah. that can just run and operate and continue mm-hmm. to operate, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So yeah, like right off the bat, I had a good website. My GMB was up and running. I had GLSA ads. I had pay-per-click ads. I was on all the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing retargeting ads. And all of that started to kick off, right? And so hired guy number one, end of December, hired guy number two in January, and then just pretty much a guy every month. And every time I would (laughs) hire a guy, and I was buying vehicles pretty much every month as well. Mm -hmm. So I would go buy a vehicle, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it usually went like this. It usually went, okay, I got two vehicles. I just hired guy number two. I'd buy a third vehicle, and then that vehicle would be sitting there and I would see it and I'd be like, that thing could be out making me money right? Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. just had the guy in the work. Mm-hmm. And so typically um, I would hire the guy and then go, crap, I got to keep this guy busy and go do more marketing. Mm-hmm. Or every now and then it was like, okay, I'm super busy. I got the van. Let's get the guy. Most times I did that. The second I got the guy, work slowed down. And so I'd be mm-hmm. like, let's go do more marketing, yeah. right? Um, and so it was just this balance of like, Vehicle tools, guys, marketing. Vehicle mm-hmm. tools, guys, marketing. Vehicles, tools, guys, marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in, like, when I had, like, four guys, we finally got on Service Titan. Yeah. So we had, like, four white vans running around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had four white vans running around. Mm-hmm. I was still kind of, like, part-time in and out of a van. Mm-hmm. Mm. Got Service Titan onboarded. I was building my price book on the weekends. Um, I remember. Yeah, finally... I remember I took a whole Saturday and I just knocked it out one morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I worked, I shouldn't say morning. <laughs> I think I like woke up at like yeah. five and like worked all day on it. Mm-hmm. I was just sat at my kitchen table and just built out my price book. Mm-hmm. Um, finally got Service Titan onboarded. And then that was like a whole huge learning curve. Yeah. Got everybody on Service Titan. We all mm-hmm. had iPads. Finally got my trucks wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we had rebranded to from J-Rods to Prospector, mm-hmm. and it was like gung-ho from there, right? Mm-hmm. I think in October, I was up... I think I, I think I had 
four, five guys going, and then I kind of just sat there for a minute because I needed to make some cash back. Yeah. Um, I think I pretty much drained my 80K. I think it was down to like mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20K, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. And it was starting to make me nervous. So I like took a little breather there, um, bought a couple more vans, got them ready to go. I had seven vans, made a little bit of cash back. And then at the beginning of October, it was like, okay, I need, I'm going to hire two more guys. Mm-hmm. And that put me at seven guys. And then it was like, now that I'm at seven guys, I need to hire a general manager so that Mm. because business at that time was kind of messy and Mm -hmm. I was like kind of, I was still pretty involved in like the general manager role with five Mm -hmm. guys and they kind of needed me there to like make sure everything ran okay. Mm -hmm. And I knew like, I got to get this thing. Like I got to get all this stuff that I'm doing. Like I need to get a person in here that can do like general manager stuff. But then all of the like, business stuff that there's just not a way of doing something. So everybody always comes to me. Right. I need to like make that, like we have this way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And then all my general manager has to do is go, this is how we do it here. Mm -hmm. And then make sure it gets done that way. Mm -hmm. And then everybody does it the same way every single time. And it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. So I think beginning of October, beginning of October, I hired two guys and my general manager, they all started on the same day. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible decision. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, and I remember being like, because I didn't know what my general manager like. I didn't know what that position even looked like. Right. right. So we ended up getting those two guys going out in the field probably too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, like in that stage of my business, I would bring guys in. I would be like, look, here's the deal. Here's what we do at this company. Here's how we do it. Here's why we do it. Here's your van. Here's the paperwork you need to sign. Here's how you use Service Titan. There's your van. Like, go make me some money. Yeah. Right. Because go do what you know how to do. I needed money at that point. It's yeah. like I wanted you out in the field as quick as possible, billing out yeah. money. Um, in hindsight, it would have been nice to give them more training because they mm-hmm. would have been better at what. Sure, of going course. Going out and yeah. producing good quality work mm-hmm. and five-star reviews and all that. They would have felt good about it. Customers would have been served better. And But I didn't have that luxury, yeah. right? I didn't have the cash in the bank to do that. Yeah. Um, so we just got them out the door as quick as possible. So those two guys, we got out the door as quick as possible. Now we got seven technicians. I've got my general manager in place. I've recouped, you know, probably, I think I was probably at like 150K in cash. It's October. November is usually still pretty busy. Mm-hmm. So I think we make like another 50K in November. Yeah. And then December, we usually slow down because of Christmas. Yeah. They're just like, yeah. so we basically break even in December. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in that period, I like get my general manager, we're, we get him lined out. I'm like, okay, these are your job duties. And he's getting mm-hmm. comfortable in that position. Mm-hmm. I left for the whole month of December. And that's when I, we went to Arizona and, we would go mountain bike during the day and mm-hmm. then I would sit in our Airbnb at nighttime and write our SOPs. Mm. So basically came up with this is how we do it at our company. Right. Like these are how you do all the things. Like when we hire somebody, what are all the things that need to mm. get done? Mm-hmm. What does that process mm-hmm. look like? Here, how do you get to all the resources that you need? Where's all the paperwork, right? right. Got everything organized into Google Drive folders. Got everything, all my SOPs on a Google Doc with an index so you could find everything mm-hmm. with what the company is about, with our mission, mm-hmm. with our 
all that core values, what the CSR's job mm -hmm. duties were, what we expect of them, how we're going to measure them. You know, technician, the same thing, the general manager, mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. thing. So that everybody had everything they needed in this one document so they didn't have to come to me anymore, right? right? And so we come back in January. In January, so it's January 2022 at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So we've gone kind of that whole year of like 2021, we just went... We just right. grew, right? Mm -hmm. We did that first year. We did 2.8 million in sales, mm -hmm. but basically by like October, we were set up to do five million in sales. Right. We had what a do you company. Mean, yeah. What do you mean by set up? Like we had the makings of a five million dollar mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. within the year. Like you had the pricing structure, you had the marketing structure, yep. you had a CRM, which then led to systems and everything. Yep. You had your general manager at that point. Had a general manager. We had the guys. Yeah. We had the thing, right? Um, did 2.8 million. And I think I ended the year with like 200 grand in the bank. Yeah. Um, didn't have to pay any taxes cause I bought a butt ton of vans. Yeah. So pretty much my whole tax burden went away. Yeah. Which is good cause I couldn't, have, I couldn't have paid them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I knew that at the time I knew I was going to have all that appreciation. Um, and so during like during that year though, there were these moments where I would bring on more expenses like I would get another guy, go do more marketing, mm -hmm. you know, get service tightened. And then all of a sudden money would get tight mm. and I would go back to my hourly rate calculator and I would have to put like those new expenses in the calculator and I would have to bump my prices up. Mm. And it was super frustrating to me mm. um, because to me it was like at 259, I was already double what everybody else was sure. in town. Sure. And so we went from 259 to 325. Mm -hmm. And then we went from 325 to, I think, 395. And so we ended 2021 at like 395 is what we were charging. Mm -hmm. Come January, January was the first month we lost money. Mm -hmm. So we typically slow down in Fairbanks January, February, March, April. Right. And then it picks back up in May. Mm -hmm. So January, we lost money. And I'm like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. February, we lose a little bit of money, and I'm like, what the hell? Still What's losing going money. On? This isn't good. So I go from 200K to 180K mm. to 160K mm -hmm. to 150K or 130K. Mm -hmm. um, so there was basically like three months in a row where we lost money. Mm -hmm. And um, there were two things going on. Um, number one, I wasn't charging enough. Right. So there was some other people, like work had slowed slowed down and because of that there were other people that jumped into the pay-per-click game mm -hmm. like more people jumped in and started spending on pay-per-click so pay-per-click mm -hmm. got way more expensive mm -hmm. so i didn't have enough money for pay-per-click in my budget for during slow times mm -hmm. so i needed to raise prices again so after three months of like losing money i was like you know what screw it if this is what i gotta spend on pay-per-click to own it during slow times mm -hmm. that's what i'm gonna freaking spend and mm -hmm. I put that in my budget. Mm -hmm. And I and then I also realized that, you know, people need to know who we are and what we do and what right. our company is all about. We really need to start building our brand at this point. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started going real strong on social media, posting twice a day, educating the community on what we're all about, why we're a better option. Right. Um, really trying to position myself as like the professional expensive company, right? right. Um, Went back to my hourly rate calculator, 
started putting in really dialed down on like what does it actually cost me to run this company at this mm -hmm. point and i and i came up with you know we had seven technicians i think by january in 2022 we had eight technicians mm -hmm. and when i went in and i i took all of my expenses and i said okay if i have eight technicians and all of these expenses um and i can be this efficient then i need to charge this much money and what I realized is that when I hired on my general manager, right, I lost, right. I, I, I gained overhead, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a point at which it, like with seven guys, it made sense to have a general manager. Right. With, and what I really needed to do is I needed to price myself at a point where with six guys, it made sense to have a general manager, right? Right. Because mm -hmm. we run our business with like eight or nine guys all year long. Now, if I lose a couple guys and go down to six guys and I'm not priced properly, hmm. then I'm going to start losing money again. Right, right. So I needed to have that margin in my business. Mm -hmm. So then I decided, okay, I got to price myself like I have all the expenses I have and six guys out in the field at their typical efficiency can cover all of my expenses. So we went from 395 to 425 to... I was really scared to do this, mm -hmm. like extremely nervous that it wasn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while. Sure. So we jumped from four, 395 to 425, didn't lose any customers, didn't get any more one-star reviews, no more complaints about price, mm -hmm. jumped to 495, same thing, no difference, mm -hmm. except now at 495, I was actually prof, like I was actually putting money in the bank. Yeah, cool. And I was like, huh, okay. The number I needed to get to in order to be profitable at six technicians was $598 an hour. Yeah, and you knew that going into I it. I knew that. And you didn't want to just make that huge jump all in one go. I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that people- It was all going to blow up on you. I thought you... it was all going to explode, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then I think at 495, we were like, that was like our break-even point. Yeah, yeah. And so at that point, it was like, dude, I have- all of these people in my business, we've got a general manager, we've got seven technicians, we've got two CSRs, mm -hmm. we have all of their families. They're all relying, not including my family, mm -hmm. we're all relying on this business to produce us, you know, with an income, mm -hmm. a livelihood. And I was running it at the point where it was way too risky. Mm -hmm. And so I bumped to 598 one night and I've never looked back, right? Mm -hmm. And it was that moment, it was, it was August of 2022, mm -hmm. right? Literally a year ago, mm -hmm. we had our first 150K profit month. Wow. And I was like, holy cow. So then August, September, October, November, December, the business pretty much made $800,000 that those first few months. Yeah, gotcha. Those, I was like, wow, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so... And that was, I mean, the episode is how I made my first million, right? Right. With plumbing, it's really how I did it. Right. I grew a company. One year we grew a company. So three months I spent putting cash away. One year we grew this giant company, um, did 2.8 million in sales. Then the following year, we spent like the first like six, three months losing money. Yeah. Then a few months making a little bit of money, breaking even, and then the next four or five months making tons of money. Mm. 
And that's what it took. And that's how I made my first million bucks. Mm. It was right then and there. Um, it was, mm. was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. It was fast. Where in there was like, where did luck benefit you in the whole thing? Dude, I lucked out in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Like, I lucked out on getting a lot of the vans that I got. Sure. Like, that was the time when it was right after COVID. Mm-hmm. Nobody had vehicles. Um, I lucked out being able to get seven Sprinter vans, a Dodge, and a Ford. Mm-hmm. Now, I I worked hard to get those vehicles. I had to, like, go find them, yeah. go pick them up, yeah. make phone calls, look extra hard, mm-hmm. where other people might have been like, the dealer doesn't have any vehicles. I was calling dealers from everywhere in the state mm-hmm. trying to find a vehicle, right? Um, but I do, I feel lucky that I even got the vehicles that I got. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is my brother owns a marketing company, right? Mm-hmm. And he he's owned a marketing company for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he recognized that he needed to niche his marketing company down. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, hey, you should just do marketing for plumbers and I'll be your test case, right? right. So, you know, I got his full attention, right? Yeah, sure. I was his test case. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, we got to make this work um, or <laughs> or mm-hmm. you're going to look bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the other thing is like just because my brother's a marketer, I had a pretty good understanding of of the marketing landscape. Yeah, right? you, you were around that world for such a long <laughs> time. I was around that world for a long time. Um, I've heard him talk about it for a long time. And I had the ability to just go directly to him to yeah, talk sure. about it, right? Uh-huh. Um, you had the dream communication that most plumbing business owners would want yes. with a marketing company. Yes, which allowed... Candid, open, all the stuff. Yes, and I had his experience from a marketing company sure. of looking at these companies in our marketplace that have, because he's seen, you know, and I've seen them too, have a quick rise to success, mm-hmm. but then they fail. Yeah, yep. Or they have a quick rise of success and they've been around for 30 years. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And from a marketing standpoint, what's the difference between those companies? Like, Mm -hmm. what did you you see? Like, I was able to have these conversations because it's my brother Mm -hmm. of like, hey, what's the difference between these companies from a marketing standpoint? He's like, the ones that start marketing and and rise to success, they're just willing to outspend everybody. Sure. And then, Mm -hmm. so they get all the attention. Like if you have the attention, mm-hmm. you make the money. Mm-hmm. And then the ones mm-hmm. who rise up and fail, they just they get all the attention, but then they stop spending on marketing sure. because they think I got all the attention. Mm. Um, and then they fail. Mm-hmm. The ones that rise up and just continue to be successful or continue to grow, they're the ones who consistently spend on marketing. Right. They never stop spending on marketing. Mm-hmm. It's just part of their business. It's mm-hmm. part of their budgeting for their business. Right. They continually spend at least 10% on their marketing mm-hmm. every year over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and so it was super valuable to have those conversations. So I would say very lucky in that aspect, mm-hmm. right? Super lucky. Um, that's probably the most luck I had. Just sure. having that relationship, yeah. being able to see those perspectives, mm-hmm. because then I was willing to go, okay, I'm just I'm gonna spend as much as I can on marketing. Right. I don't care what it costs. I I see the value in it, and I was willing to stick with it, right, yeah, for a you, long time. You had the 
trust built into a marketing system where a lot of guys just yeah. have mm, intrinsic distrust yes. built. Yeah. And I think that, like, if nothing else, like that holds so many guys back where they just distrust yeah, they, the marketing or the system or the agencies. Like, there's different, like, yep. parts of that distrust, but it's, that just can hold you back so hard. Yeah. And it really boils down to they just don't understand it. They don't understand how sure. it works at the ground level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know how pay per click works. Right. They don't know how GLSA works. Mm-hmm. They don't know how, you know, even traditional marketing ideas. They don't understand mm-hmm. how that sure. works, right? Right. Of just becoming known, right? And how mm-hmm. to become known mm-hmm. and what that takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they did, they would, they'd be much more willing to like just do it and stick with it, right? Because it takes time. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is. Like most people want in today's world, they want results now. Yeah, and right? if they had results now, it would solve all their problems. Yes, um, but what they don't realize is hmm. they need to invest in long-term solutions for yeah. their business yeah. instead of short-term fixes. So right. you can go, you know, to Yelp or to pay-per-click or GLSA or to some fancy Facebook ad or mm-hmm. something. And you can band-aid these holes in your boat for a minute. Yeah, sure. But the band-aid gets wet and it wears off, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a short-term solution. Mm-hmm. What you really need to do is like line the bottom of your boat so you can't get any more holes in it, right? right. Um, and continually reline it right. so that no holes appear. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be willing to make those those like long-term things. Invest right. the money now so that a year from now you can have a really strong brand, right? Right. Um, like SEO, people don't want to invest in SEO. Or like, it's like I was on a conversation today and a guy was like, well, I did three months with it. And he even himself said like, I knew it would take 12. Yeah. But I, I stopped after three. He's like, I just wasn't seeing enough after three for me mm-hmm. to continue the investment. Mm-hmm. It's like, well. Whereas I on the flip side was like three months in, it doesn't matter what it costs. I know this is a long-term game. Yeah. So I just have to be willing to charge my customer enough to continue to pay this bill. Yeah, and I think right? that's the missing part is because since guys don't view pricing as a system naturally, intrinsically, and I think yep. I understand partly why, because you don't view your own wage as a system in that way, right? Right. Because again, when we're thinking pricing, we're thinking 150 bucks an hour. The emotional correlation is how much do I make per hour at a job? That's yep. our emotional connection with that number of 150. Yep. And you don't go, oh, I just raise my hourly rate like every day, depending upon what kind of expenses yep. I, I incur on that day. And so naturally, when you set a price for your plumbing business, you almost view it in the same way. Yep. Not as something that, oh, this is a system. There's a cost to doing business, and we'll tweak this pricing system as we incur more costs. And it's just part of it. Yep. I don't go in and tweak my wage every day, because that's nope. not how that works because it's a separate system. But my actual pricing is the thing that I go in. And so since guys aren't really willing to touch it just because they don't know yep. their hourly rate, then they don't see, they don't know how they can invest in something that isn't giving them the return that they need. Yeah, and that's because they're just guessing on their prices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you true. know what I mean? Yeah. They don't tie yeah. like their pricing to like how much it costs to run their business. Yeah. So if you go out and you're billing out money to it, like if you have any other product, you know, like if I have this coffee cup, mm-hmm. there's a certain cost to me to produce this coffee cup. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know what it costs to produce this cup, how do I know how much I have to charge to sell this cup to you and still make a 20% profit? And right? still be even to just make more coffee cups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have to know like, okay, 
it costs me $10 to make this cup, mm -hmm. which means I need to sell it to you for, you know, 13 something mm -hmm. to make 20% profit. Mm -hmm. um, profit margin, not markup, right? Um, and so when you look at a cup like that, it's obvious. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I have to know how much this costs to make in order to sell it mm -hmm. to a profit. And the cost to make this cup has to include like, my pottery studio, mm -hmm. you know, the, the time I spend making this cup, it has to include the marketing that I have to do. Mm -hmm. It has to include, you know, the fuel in my pottery studio, mm -hmm. the electricity in my pottery studio, mm -hmm. the insurance on my pottery company, the website company that I have to pay in order to maintain my website. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff has to be broken down into like how many of these cups I can produce out of my, out of my pottery studio, mm -hmm. right? And then I get a real representation of like what the cost of this cup is. Right. And then I know exactly how much I need to tack on to make a profit. Mm -hmm. And then I know as long as I sell it for this much, I'll make my profit margins that mm -hmm. I want to make. Obvious with a cup. Right. For some reason, when we go into like services, mm -hmm. right, they, and it's labor. Mm hmm When you're a business owner, your labor is technically free to you, Right. right is how they view it. And so whatever they go out and bill, it's money in their pocket. Right. And that's true when it's just you, but if you're not charging enough, you're never gonna be able to get away from just you. The second mm -hmm. you start hiring guys, you're gonna realize like, holy crap, there's never any money left over at the end of the month. Right. And so if you can tie your pricing into a model where it's like, this is the value I provide to the marketplace, mm -hmm. it costs me this much to bring this value, Right. So I need to charge this much for it in order to cover the expenses of that value plus make a profit, right? Right. Simple math. Mm -hmm. It's not super difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really easy concept to grasp. And when you do, it'll completely change your trajectory, mm -hmm. change your life, mm -hmm. right? You're it's super also, important. It's also funny because it's like, I would never look at a coffee mug and be like, okay, well, at my last job, I made 50 bucks an hour. So that's going to influence how much I charge for this coffee mug. Yeah. Or, man, the guy down the street is selling these for 10 bucks. I need to sell them for eight. Yeah. No matter what. No matter what. Like you just start right there. Yeah. And then you get up and you start making mugs and start selling them. <laughs> yeah. But you don't even know if the guy down the street is making money no, on his mugs. No, you have no idea. You have no clue. And it's like, chances are you don't even know the right indicators to look for. You don't even know if he is, like, you don't know. Maybe he's using his mugs as a loss leader and he's making. Oh. Money on some back end <laughs> yeah, product. Totally. You, you don't know no if he's idea. selling mugs up front and a coaching program on the back end, you know, like some weird yeah. thing. You have no idea, like the plumbers who are comparing themselves to other plumbing companies, you have no idea if they're making money this year. Yeah. Well, they got tons of trucks and, you know, the owner's a millionaire. Yeah. Maybe he made money like two years right. ago, but you don't know if he's making money this right. year. Yep. Right. And depending upon, like, <laughs> if you have, like other plumbing mentors who are running businesses and they're near and they're telling you like, yeah, I'm doing this much. I'm doing this much. Like uh -huh. it could be true. Yeah. But like a lot of times it's hard for guys, especially if in you're, you're in a mentorship to be mm -hmm. completely honest be like, yeah, man, I'd really love to tell you how to do what I'm doing. But like my business sucks right now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it looks like I'm doing good, but yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's tough to really know until you crack open the books and you look yep. at it and you look at it with an eye that you're actually looking for certain details and whatnot yep. to really know if something is actually profitable. Yep. So that's why it's like you can't just look at what everybody else is doing and say, it's working. It's and good. not even just profitable. I would say like you could look at a business and maybe, yeah, it's profitable, but 
look at the business owner and say, is that the kind of life that I want to live? Sure. Cause like he, he, mm, you don't true. know if that business owner has any freedom. Mm-hmm. You don't know if he is stressed out to the gills. You don't know how he's treating his employees. Mm-hmm. Like, is he treating his customers well? Is he treating his employees well? Is he running a legit business? Does he have time freedom in his own life? Right. Um, Because you can grow a business that's super profitable and you have zero time. Yep. (laughs) And you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yep, and you're just doing tons of work yourself. And yeah, you're making tons of money, but again, you just have a really crappy job that Mm -hmm. pays very well. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you can start a business and run a business where you make tons of money and you don't have to be involved at all. Mm-hmm. So it's like at the end of the day, like which one would you pick? Right. And so to compare yourself to other, you know, other businesses price wise is just a mistake. Right. Cause, and it boils back to the idea of like, and I can't remember where I read this, but it was like, if you're starting a business, like build a business that serves you, mm-hmm. not a business that you have to serve. Right. Right. Um, because you can. You have mm-hmm. that opportunity. You're like you're building a business, mm-hmm. like you started it in the first place, right? To get more freedom and make more money. Mm-hmm. So build it in a way mm, sure. that provides you with more freedom and more money, right? And if you don't build it in that way, then you're not getting what you wanted in the first place, right? right? So that's my two cents. Those are some good two cents. I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah, cool. Um, anything else in your whole journey that you want to touch back on, or no? Nah, just go do it. Like anybody can do it. Yeah. Like if I did it. Yeah. D's C's in high school. Not a smart guy. Slow reader. Slow to catch on to concepts. Very <laughs> stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, don't listen. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like if I can do it, anybody can do it. It, the only reason that I was successful is because I wanted it really bad. Sure. And I was willing to do it. Yeah. That's you're, it. You were willing to try at it long enough to see success. Yep. And I, and I didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Even when it was hard. Mm-hmm. I just kept going. Mm-hmm. I had to make it work. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I was successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably a big difference between successful people and non-successful people. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of successful people... And they're not any smarter than I am. <laughs> Believe it or not. Some, some of them are, but yeah. most of them are just like, yeah, I just did this thing and I just, you know, I kept doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I got to make this work. And then yeah. finally we figured out how to make this work, right? Mm-hmm. It's a typical story. Mm-hmm. And then I made a million bucks. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, dude. Yeah, man. See ya. See you, Holmes.